Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Welcome on in to a WTF Wednesday. Pat Oni alongside me, Andrew Coppins. Follow me at the Coppins Show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that wonderful goodness. He is at the Pat Oni Show. You're watching on Rumble. You're listening via podcast. And if you're listening via podcast and you want to become uh, a watcher of the show, a viewer of the show, um, do so at rumble.com backslash critical thinking. I'm hurrying through all of that because we have a ass ton of things to get through today on the show. Yes, it is that WTF Wednesday. But we have to start here because there's nothing more WTF than some of the things that I that I've been seeing, hearing and uh, potentially happening um when it comes to um Uvalde, Texas and the school shooting that uh, took place there. And as we get the bits and pieces and are putting the puzzle together, um you know they they say hindsight is twenty twenty, right? And what good does it do to rehash the past when you can't change it, right? A lot of people will say that. Well, in this case, let me tell you exactly why this is important. So, a couple of weeks ago, we we had a report of an individual who witnessed the um the the truck crash, right? Um, and the, the police engaging with this individual. And him noting that he wanted to engage with the individual to stop him on the spot. Before he ever even got to the school, by the way. He was willing to risk his own life so that others can live. He was willing to have it out with this individual. The police did what? Disarmed him and stopped him. We heard that story a couple weeks ago, right? We did. Okay. Well, 
there have been hearings taking place in Texas where the uh, the head of the uh, Texas Department of Public Safety has been talking to the, I believe it's the Senate or however it's set up in Texas, um, but they, they, he's been talking in hearings in front of them. What has come out over the last 48 hours is not just a sign of utter incompetence, because that's what we've been told, right? That this was just a lack of competence, a lack of training, and a lack of the right people in the right positions of power. And, and you know, for the very longest time, it was chain of command, chain of command, right? It was a chain of command issue. But over the last 48 hours, we have heard three things. And I'm going to start with the last thing that just came out uh, last night. From... Testimony from the Texas, uh, uh, the head of the Texas Department of Public Safety. <clears throat> a husband of one of the Uvalde teachers who ended up dying, by the way, her name is Ava Morales. Okay. He is an officer with the school district. Okay. An actual police officer. But the Texas DPS director noted that um, the husband of slain elementary teacher Ava Morales tried to save her, but was barred from doing so. Ruben Ruiz, a police officer for the school district, was on the scene after the gunman had entered the school and opened fire. McCraw, who is the uh, Department of Public Safety director, said that Morales called Ruiz and told him that she had been shot and was dying. And quote from the testimony, and what happened to him is he tried to move forward into the hallway. He was detained and they took his gun away from him and escorted him off of the scene. Now, McGraw has not named who specifically detained Ruiz. Um, Explain that to me. Explain how that makes any sense. Put it to you this way. If I'm in this guy's position, right, being that my wife is a school teacher and my wife's been shot, you better shoot me to stop me mm -hmm. to get in there from saving my wife. Mm-hmm. You're not going to detain me. I'm going in there and I'm saving my wife. Now, this isn't your normal, average, everyday citizen, right? This is an actual police officer. Right. Right. Even all the more reason to let him in to take care of some business and let him do his damn job. He could have saved his wife. But, bu but bureaucracy, right, Pat? But it turns no. out this isn't even bureaucracy at play. This is just utter evil at play here incompetence it's not even incompetence pat it's not even that because incompetence doesn't explain why you do this while we also know that outside of the school parents who were trying to get into the school to save their children while they could hear the shots while they could hear the radios saying hold back hold back we've got a barricade situation right well, well we know all of that evidence right this was happening inside while outside Parents were being tased. Parents were being disarmed. Parents were being detained. This is cowardice. This it's is not even cowardice. It is utter evil at work. 
This is what we talk about when we talk about spirit of the age. This is the manifestation of that demonic evilness. There's no other explanation for this. It's not even cowardice. It's not even cowardice. It is inaction. They were willing to, they were more worried about what? Their own asses than they were about stopping the situation in front of them. They were more worried about what? Themselves. That's it. That is all they were worried about in this entire situation. How do we know that? We also know that the evidence shows us there's a manual in place, right? There were multiple, at least two in the last year, active shooter situations and drills that took place, right? Active shooter drills that took place in which the entire police department should have known exactly what they should and shouldn't be, should and should and shouldn't have been doing. Now, furthermore, the other part that we have heard in the last 48 hours is this nugget. That school classroom in which all of those children died and that teacher passed away. <clears throat> That classroom door was never locked and they never checked it. For 77 minutes, they never bothered to, I don't know, just jiggle the door lock? Why? Because they were worried about their own asses. Now, here's another piece of evidence that we haven't talked about, Pat. The, um, the district chief, right? The chief of that, uh, that specific station, right? that is closest to the school, that was first on the scene, didn't have his own radio, didn't have a gun. He left the station without these things. That's not just incompetence. That's not just cowardice. That is utter evil. He had to call back to the station, hey, if anybody's still there, please grab my gun and grab this. What was your gun going to be used for? You didn't bother to think that um, you should go in and respond? Oh, but we, but we decided that this was a barricade. How do you know that this was a barricade situation when you never bothered to clear space? When you never bothered to understand if the room was actually barricaded or not? You made an assumption to save your own asses. You cared about yourselves more than you cared about those kids and the teacher. It is literally the exact opposite of what a police officer is sworn to do. Their duty is to protect and defend the citizens of that area, right? That is the basic thing that they're supposed to do, uphold the law and order, right? That includes defending the defenseless. There is nothing more defenseless than an eight-year-old in a classroom that doesn't have a gun. And their teacher just got shot and killed in front of them. This entire department needs to be fired. Every single one of them. But Andrew, who's going to now? Yeah, I get it, right? Oh my God, what do we do? 
What does it matter to you, is my question. Who is in that position right now? Why would you trust them to do anything right? This is as basic as it gets. As basic as it gets. And what do we have evidence of? At every single corner, these people were not just incompetent. They were negligent. They were criminally negligent by and by. And yet, nobody's head is rolled yet. To your point, every single one of these people should be fired. But you can't do that because what about law and order? What about it? Wouldn't you want competent, non-narcissistic a-holes in those positions? But Andrew, we can't find and keep police officers in this country. You are correct. But you know where it starts? Is people saying, I personally have had enough of this shit. And I'm going to make that change. Be the change. Be that person who goes in and becomes a police officer. But what this should do, instead of looking at the gun laws, right? And looking at this and looking at that and and uh, and, um, red flag laws and all this other stuff. Here's the rub. I guarantee you, Pat, and we, we talked about this offline. I guarantee you, not a single solitary person will face any criminal charges for that negligence that took place there. It is not just oopsies. It is literally decision after decision after decision that is utterly baseless. And they'll all walk because of qualified immunity. Every single one of them. From the top of the top to the lowly beat cop, right? Every one of them will walk, despite the fact that they were completely negligent. There is not a, oopsies, we got a, I'm just following orders, right? Nazi uh, Nuremberg trial defense, right? I was just following orders, just following orders. Screw your orders. I know what I'm supposed to do by the manual that's in front of that was in front of me two months ago, by the way, in which we had an active shooter drill. These people failed at the most basic level. So if you want to talk about laws, Pat, real quick, the only law that we should be talking about is qualified immunity. But won't that hurt the the ability? No, you make it very clear. If you are acting in negligence, you don't get qualified immunity. You do today, by the way. They can hide behind that in most states. Now, I don't necessarily know the qualified immunity laws in Texas or or how they exist, but I guarantee you there's protections out there that will apply here, and they will walk. We need to make sure that they have no way of walking. We have, we also then, here's what we also have to as a society agree upon based off of this shooting. We need to make sure that we can attract, train, and then put in place the proper individuals. We need 
and hear me out on this, not a six-month police academy, but a two-year, a three-year police academy in which these people are drilled, trained, and they understand how to react, how to do this every single day of the week. For eight hours, we need more money, better training, and better people in these positions because this type of failure is going to happen over and over and over again all over this country because we continue to see what? It happens here in Chicago, Pat. They hire any Joe Schmo off the street who wants to wear that badge because they need the bodies, right? This is what happens. This is exactly what happens. I, I really hope that uh, Ruben Ruiz and all the families impacted by this whole incident get justice somehow. I, I really do. I don't know how they're going to, but I, I, I really hope that they get some justice here. Yeah, I don't know what justice would look like. I really don't. I mean, I mean, what are you going to do? Sue them? I mean, that doesn't bring anybody back, right? Um, I, I don't know what that looks like, and and they can decide that for themselves, I suppose. I think but I think I, justice I really would look like this, justice. Pat. Now that I think about it, justice looks like every single one of them losing their badge. Every one of them, never, ever, yeah, yeah, ever being in a position of power in any way, shape, or form in any part of our society ever again. Unfortunately, though, I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. Of course it won't. We don't need scapegoats. We need truth and understanding of what took place, what broke down, which is what we're starting to get. And then we need not to have a conversation about, well, if the red flag laws were in place, what would, okay, sure. What would have stopped it? What would have stopped it? The answer is nothing would have. So the only things that would have stopped it are the the right actions of, of the people in the school, the, the not failure of the automatic locking system. How the hell that just magically happened, I have no idea. Teachers not being stupid and going out on school grounds uh, during the day to, to get lunch or whatever, right? To, to go get treats for the kids. Bring it in prior to school, and then the doors are locked. During the school hours, and I'm sorry, you're not going out unless you go through the one door. It's just that simple. We had a systemic failure of every system, every bit of training, every bit of everything, right? We failed. And I use we because... As a society, we failed. We failed those kids. The answer is not more gun laws. The answer is not th- that in any way, shape, or form. The answer is actually police reform. The answer is hiring good people to do that job, to hire competent people, to give money to train operators are are they going to be perfect of course not of course not nobody that's why is. I, 
that, that's why that's why we also need a system of accountability too, not just this, not just hide behind qualified immunity. Yeah, is anybody having that conversation other than you, me, and some other people who have been paying attention to what the Texas DPS director is saying? No. We have nobody in Congress, nobody in the Senate, right? Meanwhile, we got John Cornyn, you know, uh, I'm bucking the trend of the GOP. I won't bend the knee to the, the, the Trump crowd. Are you talking about what actually happened? Or are you focused on a narrative that the left is driven? You're focused on a leftist narrative because you are one. So let's focus on the real thing. And let's have that debate, by the way, Pat. Go ahead. To, go ahead and have that debate. While over here, we're actually doing something that would help solve this going forward. Because it does us no good if we learn no lessons. That's the justice these people are going to get that it less likely to happen in the future. And the less likely is understanding the systemic failures and fixing what can be fixed in that systemic situation. And it ain't the gun, by the way. Now, do I also understand not allowing chaos? Yes, I do. But the cowards deciding that, um, wait, a hero shouldn't go in. It's not like we have like 50 parents bum rushing the school and there's going to be, you know, a mass murder even worse on our hands, right? That's not, that's not what's happening here. We had one person deciding, I'm going to do my job. And we had like 10 guys standing in the hallway just, nah, we're good. Like I said, had that been me in that situation, you would have to shoot me. Mm-hmm. Now, Either get out of my way or shoot me. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, um, we had an absolute win happen if you are in the uh, fund students not systems crowd this week. Did, did you hear about this, Pat? Mm, uh, you have to be more specific. Well, there was a Supreme Court case called Carson versus Make, uh, Mackin. Okay. A 6 3 ruling happened. And basically, what it was was um, I believe that it was a case in, was it Connecticut? Or Maine, excuse me, Maine. Um, in which um, funding for private non-public education was not being allowed to be done using public money, right? So no public money could be used for um, taxpayer-funded, you know, no, no taxpayer funding for those types of institutions, right? That's basically what was going on in Maine. Like, the argument was, wait a second, um, that money that goes to the, the public school but my student isn't there. But my student would be in that district. Why is that money going there when it should be going to my education? Right? That's the basic gist of it. Six to three in favor of funding students, not systems. They struck down Maine's law as what? 
a violation of the First Amendment free exercise. The free exercise clause of the First Amendment. With Corey DeAngelis noting that the U.S. Supreme Court ruled 6-3 to three, uh, decision that prevented school choice families from taking their children's taxpayer-funded education dollars to religious private schools. Rules that that is a violation of the free exercise clause of the First Amendment. Justice Roberts in the majority wrote the following, Pat. Maine's non-sectarian uh, sectarian, excuse me, non-sectarian requirement for its otherwise generally available tuition assistance payments. So it's not even just the funding, right? It is tuition assistance payments. So if I had a private but non-religious school, right, I could take that payment, that that voucher, if you will, and use it. But if I wanted to go to a Jesuit school or a Mormon school, those exist, right? A Mormon uh, uh, high school, does that exist? Not really. Okay. Not, at least not to my knowledge. Okay. So uh, yeah. a Lutheran high school or a Baptist high school or whatever have you, right? Maine's non-sectarian requirement for its otherwise generally available tuition assistance payments violates the free exercise clause of the First Amendment. Regardless of how the benefit and restriction are described, the program operates to identify and exclude otherwise eligible schools on the basis of their religious exercise. So what they're saying is that you are discriminating against the free exercise of religion by doing this. You are discriminating against religious people. That, what? We had the Supreme Court say that. Now he continues, but, oh, well, he doesn't continue. But the real crux of this, Pat, is that according to um, the super intelligent, the super impactful, the super um, non political Justice Sonia Sotomayor, <clears throat> This is a dismantling of the separation of church and state. Huh? She writes, this court continues to dismantle the wall of separation between church and state that the framers fought to build. In just a few years, the court has upended constitutional doctrine, shifting from a rule that permits states to decline to fund religious organizations to one that requires states in many circumstances to subsidize religious indoctrination with taxpayer dollars. So, uh, according to the Daily Wire, Sotomayor went on to voice her concern over where such a decision might eventually lead the court, saying, quote, Today, the court leads us to a place where separation of church and state becomes a constitutional violation. Um, does she understand what the separation of church and state means? Well, she continues to say, Pat, if a state cannot offer subsidies to its citizens without being required to fund religious exercise... Any state that values its historic anti-establishment interests more than this court does will have a curtail will have to curtail the support it offers to its citizens. So basically, what she's saying is, if you don't want um, money going to religious organizations, you just don't fund that program. Period. Amen. That's the curtailing, right, of taxpayer dollars. Or hear me out on this. Um, there's no such thing as a separation of church and state in the Constitution. 
and the separation of church and state that Thomas Jefferson spoke of in 1802, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that, that wasn't about funding schools or not or funding religion or not it was the separation of the church and the state in so much as the church stays separate from the state and and what does that mean it means there's no establishment of a religious test in order to be a state you you don't get to discriminate. Let's say we wanted to make it a Catholic state, right? You must mm-hmm. be a Catholic. You must practice Catholicism in the state of Maryland, right? Right. That is the separation he's talking about and making sure that there is no discrimination. That is the separation of the church and the state that Thomas Jefferson spoke of. And that's exactly what the First Amendment says. You cannot establish a state-run religion. That's that's all they're talking about. It is not, well, my tax dollar going to this non-religious school, we're going to allow that to a private non-religious school, but you religious schools don't get the same access to it. That is blatant, patent discrimination. And for once, we've got the Supreme Court saying, yeah, no, you don't get to discriminate like that. It's either it applies to all or applies to none. I want you to think about this because what she's saying is that the government um, should be able to block people from participating in government based off of their religious beliefs, right? Because what else is government if not my tax money? Government exists because I say it exists and you say it exists and we say it exists. It is supposed to be there to protect, not harass our rights. And I, I think this is a great, great argument that was made in, uh, or put correctly in um, defiance of Sotomayor's dissent. The government saying religious belief blocks people from participating in government undermines the separation of church and state. The state is barred from isolating religious beliefs. Literally saying you cannot believe this or that is a violation of the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause. The state is barred, again, the state is barred from isolating religious beliefs. Because what would happen if I get to pick and choose which places are good as private businesses and bad as private businesses for the public money, and I'm going to decide which ones do and don't get your tax dollars, you are establishing state religion. It just so happens it might not be Christian. It might be non-sectarian, right? We're going to say we establish no religion, and therefore, if you are religious, you don't get to participate fully in society. That is a violation of not just free exercise, but also the Establishment Clause. Now. If you were to take, okay, government always has the choice to stop spending the money at all. That is the point. Yes, to Sotomayor's point. Yeah, that's the point. 
either everybody gets to use the public money or nobody does. Now, could you set up qualifications on economics, on all those things for like, let's say for SNAP assistance or whatever? That is a different, different situation. It exists solely for us to be able to help those who are the most in need, right? This is an educational situation in which everybody is supposed to be able to participate. So either every school that qualifies as a school in your state, what are you going to do? Say religious schools are no longer part of the state, are not recognized by the state as diploma. So if you were to get a diploma from a religious school, um, it doesn't exist. Is that what, is that what we're going down? Government has always had the choice to stop spending the money at all. But as long as they are spending, they cannot exclude you only because you believe in a faith system. That is what they were doing in Maine. The only thing that excluded you from participation in getting this money, in this voucher system, was because of your religion. Now, the state cannot bar religious outfits from participating in public programs any more than they could block anyone else, right? Well, you're disabled. You have a mental disability. Sorry, you don't get state funding. That's patently illegal, right? That's a violation of Title IX. Sotomayor would make a special class, a special class out of believers in religion. That would be excluded. What religious schools would would qualify, right? Well, if you're a Hindu school, if you're or or, or a Buddhist school or whatever, right? Uh, a Muslim school, they could get money, but hey, this group doesn't. You're creating a special class, and that is patently illegal unless unless it is a special class that gets government protection protection for the rights, right? That's why we have, you know, um, you can't discriminate off of sex and race and all of those other things, right? Those immutable characteristics. You don't get to discriminate because we're helping you. A government is making sure that we put a buffer to protect the rest of the rights, right? Because for the longest time, you were not allowed to have those rights based off of government action. Religion was never supposed to be separated from the public square. Never. There is no evidence that suggests that anywhere in any framer, founders, writings, speeches, whatever. It doesn't exist. And it never has. This whole concept of separation of church and state is an absolute, and hear me on this, an absolute fallacy made up out of thin air by leftists in the early 1900s to do what? To set up this idea that we have to separate the religious, the faithful, from the rest of society so that we can make a secular society for what? If you look at George Bernard Shaw and all of these other people, right? The eugenics movement of the early 1900s, the progressive era, was actually meant to separate church from state in so much as the state is all-powerful, the church has no power over you. Your faith shall be denied 
the public square. Your faith shall be denied to the point where they beat you down so that you have no faith in anything other than the state. And Sotomayor believes that. Is there any other takeaway that you could possibly have from, well, this is the erosion of the separation of church and state? What separation of church and state? Other than we must protect all religions from the state. That's the separation of church and state that Thomas Jefferson and all of our framers and founders believed in. All of them. Every one of them. Even the non-religious, by the way. Even the deists. Your thoughts, Pat? I mean, I... I honestly think that this is a crux argument to ultimately either limit or eliminate um, religious schools. I, I think people like Sotomayor and her ilk would, would prefer a system of schools that, that were completely secular, that they have no religion whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I can pretty well guarantee that that they do not see the value of religion whatsoever being taught in oh, school. Absolutely, absolutely. Which, yeah. which, which, which. Here's the thing: if you go back to, I think it was Isaac Newton that said this, or, or, and I'm paraphrasing. But the the first and most important subject that you can learn is religion, your faith. That is the most important thing that that you should study. Is that? Um, mm-hmm. I've always argued the second most important thing is history, but that that that's besides the point. I think both are applicable here, and I don't. But people like Sotomayor and her ilk don't believe in those things, and because they don't believe in those things, and they believe in this worldly secular view that where government is the religion, why would you ever want to fund or ever see any kind of taxpayer dollars? go towards those religious institutions when mm-hmm. you believe they should be gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's my point. Now, are you going to hear any other, any other show dedicate any time to this today? Probably not. It is one of the most fundamental things that we must pay attention to that we must, we need to celebrate this. We, we got a six to three vote. This should have been nine to nothing in my view. This should have been really freaking simple. Two Sotomayor and her leftist activist groups. Your faith must be in the state, in the state alone, and we will crush you until that happens. We finally got an actually active victory for this. Your government cannot exclude your religious belief. Simply because you have one from its participation in society. That's basically what is the crux of this this ruling. You don't get to discriminate against the religious uh, sex of society in your government. You don't get to do that anymore. I mean, that, that's well said, unfortunately. People like Sotomayor and her elk again don't care. And they're not going to stop. No. Okay? that That's the thing you need to understand. Maine will try to find a way around this. 
But I don't think they can, other than to say, oh, we're ending this program. Okay, then give me my tax dollars back, in which I can take that money then, right, per pupil. Give me, that individual, my $2,000 or $1,000 or whatever the voucher is, right? Give me that back, and I will go and spend that money on tuition at these private schools then. Right. So I'm still, so in one way or another, you're still funding the student, not the system. Uh, either way, here, here's the way I see it. You want to end it via taxpayer payer dollars? Fine, go ahead. Go ahead and do that. But give give the money back to the parents and let them decide where they want to send their kids to school. You, you don't want taxpayer dollars spent on, on religious institutions. This is the way to do it. Give me my tax money back. But they'll never do that, Pat. Of course not. No, of course Because that's a fungible asset that they can move in and out of the general funding, right? It's all about accounting tricks and all about all those other things. They'll never do that because it's also about what? The power of the the National Education Association and the uh, the American Federation of Teachers, right? The NEA, the AFT, Randy Weingarten, and all of those other people. They must have their cake and eat it too. Absolutely. Mm. Because government... And public education administration are tied so tightly together. Now, that having been said, Pat, I think it's time for us to play the B or not the B before we get into WTF Wednesday. Are you ready for that? Let's do it. All righty. All righty. Today's headline, Biden to appoint first Native American as U.S. Treasurer. Elizabeth Warren's reaction unknown biden to appoint first native american as u.s treasurer elizabeth warren's reaction unknown and while you're thinking about that andrew coppins folks if you are uh, looking to move in or move out of the chicago area make sure you give andrew coppins a licensed real estate agent in the state of illinois a call he can help you out Yes, very simple. Go to closewithcoppins.com, closewithcoppins.com. All right, Pat, but we got one more quick announcement before we get into whether or not that was the B or not the B. Um, by the way, thank you for that softball. But uh, one more announcement. We I've been teasing this for a little while here on the show, and, and we've kind of hinted at this. Um, but um, we are doing a brand new podcast. Um, they'll be voiced by myself. Um, Pat is helping in the production and the writing of this podcast. And yes, I said writing because this is a very different podcast than I think exists anywhere in the political space, anywhere in the cultural space, because I would argue that this is more culture than it is politics necessarily. Um, But starting next Tuesday, next Tuesday, we are releasing a brand new experience for you called Reviving Liberty. Now, you guys might remember that we had talked about um, this concept of a liberty mindset and tactics and um, themes and all that stuff back in 2021. And this is kind of the brainchild and offshoot of that. But this podcast is meant to be a path, a journey, a way to awaken what liberty is and how to practice it, and the tactics that we can use in our own lives. 
This is our way to dedicate our lives to reviving liberty, to make it active, to put it into practice in our lives. Screw what the government is doing. Screw what the GOP politicians are doing on Capitol Hill or in your state. But what this is, is a dedication to fellowship, a dedication to ourselves, to transforming and building a future that is liberty-based. Not politics-based, but culturally. Values based around liberty. We make the argument in this podcast, we don't even know what liberty is today. We don't even know what revival actually means today. We think that it's we have to go backwards. We have a framework from the past, but revival is taking something that is dormant, which is liberty, and reviving it. So Reviving Liberty will be coming to a podcast platform near you next week, starting on Tuesday and every Tuesday for the next 20 weeks leading up to the 2022 election. Um, And we've got some big plans for the show. Again, it's Reviving Liberty. Um, And uh, yeah, so um, in the next few days, look for us to put that on our social media platforms and uh, show you where you can find it and what we are going to be doing with it. This is going to be something that is literally bad, right? Different than anything that you have ever listened to when it comes to culture and politics or libertarianism or right-wing media. This is, I can't find a single thing that looks, sounds, or feels anything like this. Well, this is not a right or left thing. This is not a political thing. This is, this is taking the, the, principles and the values in which this country was founded on which primarily being liberty and and talking about those things and and trying to cultivate a, a revival we are in the middle of a cultural war and this is partly our way of standing up in that cultural war check it out um it, it is going to be um something that we might have to drop a couple of times early on to get into a, the right cadence. Like we might have to drop it a couple times a week just to get into the right cadence for the show, because we do have an introductory episode and, and all sorts of things coming your way to, to help you understand. But, uh, but please folks, reviving Liberty was the name of the podcast. We will have that, uh, up and running in the next week. So look for us on social media and, uh, look for that information, download the podcast, subscribe, rate, review, all that wonderful goodness. We would greatly appreciate your support. Um, this is something that um, is not just a passion project. It is something that I think has an ability to potentially impact and affect um, that cultural war that's going on in America. We talk right. about the spirit of the age. This is how you defeat it. This is that blueprint, that path to defeating the spirit of the age. All right. Now, having said all of that wonderful goodness, Mr. Patrick Oni, um, can you give me the headline one more time? Because I think I know where I'm going with this one. Sure. The headline is Biden to appoint first state of American as U.S. Treasurer. Elizabeth Warren's reaction unknown. Okay, this has got to be the Babylon B. Are you sure? uh, Yeah, I'm 100% sure because, uh, first of all, uh, she's not Native American. In fact, I bet you, Pat, you and I are more Native American than she is. 
are you saying you're more than one uh one 1024th native american no i'm not saying that i'm i'm guessing at that gotcha gotcha okay well um is that your final answer yeah my final answer all righty you'd be wrong this is not the b what the sh yep this is not the b uh lynn malerba I think that's how you say her name, is said to become the first Native American to serve as U.S. Treasurer. She's lifetime chief to the Moagan tribe, The Hill reports. I'm honored and humbled by U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and Biden administration commitment to ensuring that all voices are heard by Treasury as well as, as we work together to create an equitable and just society, Malerba said. It's especially important to our Native voices are respected. This appointment underscores the administration's commitment to doing just that. I am, I am excited to serve our community as treasurer for the work ahead. Malera previously served on the Treasury Department's Tribal Advisory Committee. She will also direct the newly established Office of Tribal and Native Affairs that will communicate with tribal nations and oversee tribal policy. Her name will be the first signature ever seen on U.S. currency belonging to a Native, Native woman and tribal leader in nation's history. Malabra will also oversee the U.S. Mint in Fort Knox and will, will work closely with the Federal Reserve as a liaison. <clears throat> uh, um, 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 Pat? Um, uh, um, what? Andrew Coppins, you have a question? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, she is a lifelong member of the Mohegan tribe, right? Not Mohican, it's Mo Mohegan. I I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. It's M-O-H-E-G-A-N. Yeah, it's Mohegan. Oh, okay, Mohegan. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um <clears throat> Are they not a sovereign nation? Technically, by law. Um, now, do they use use do they use U.S. currency? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I'm just gonna take a stab in the dark here. Um, she is a far leftist person. Well, it's and also probably very dangerous for um, it's, our economic future. It, it it's interesting that you say that. Um, because uh. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said she is deeply honored by Malerba's historic appointment. Malerba has routinely talked about her negative opinions regarding European colonialism, a manifest destiny, and Christian evangelism. She also supports health equity initiatives. What the hell is health equity initiatives? I'm just curious on that. I, I don't. I don't know. Oh, and by the way, she is uh, a chief in the Mohegan tribe. Did you know that? I actually didn't know that. But uh, Lynn Many Hearts Malerba. That's her uh, Mohegan son, uh, Mohegan son, Mohegan tribe name. Um, but yeah. Uh, also, am I surprised that she has a negative opinion of European colonialism? No, she's Native American. I, I get that. Um, but. Christian evangelism? 
Yeah. Evangelism? Um yeah. I'm just saying your your car your your call on being a far leftist is um <laughs> not not far not 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 off. It's pretty accurate, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, about that. Um, and she's gonna be in charge of our money. Yeah. Mm. Yep, that bodes well for <clears throat> federalism and um republicanism. It bodes super well. Oh, on that note on that super happy note Mr. Pat Oni um, I think it is time are are you ready are you ready it is time for WTF Wednesday all right that sweet sweet sound Um, I I, I think we have to start here Pat Um, do you know who Megan Rapinoe is you, you, Megan Rapinoe? Is, is it Rapinoe or Rapinoe? It's Rapinoe. No, is, it, is it Rapinoe? Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I know who she is. Right. Uh, one of the uh, stars of the U.S. women's national team and, uh, and uh, the, the kneeler-in-chief uh, taking over for uh, Colin Kaepernick, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um. Um. <clears throat> Did you see what she had to say in regards to the trans athletes? Because remember, she is the 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 spokesperson of all sports people for the uh, the LGBTQ tilde uh, ampersand plus LMNOP sign. Um, crowd. It, 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 are you referring to the uh, where she called the uh, kids volleyball team not important? Is that what you're referring uh, uh, to? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, she told Time Magazine she's 100% supportive of trans inclusion in girls' sports. Some have quipped, of course she is. Um, she's used to men beating women. Actually, it's more like um, little boys beating women. Oh, oh! I see, I see what you did there. I because, see what you did there. Because, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, the FC Dallas U15 boys team <clears throat> beat the U.S. women's national team in an actual competitive game. By the way, they beat them five nothing. Five nothing. Is that a lot in soccer? I know the answer to this, by the way, but I'm just 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 it saying would be it like you winning thirty-five to three in a game of football. Yeah. Okay. I always compare. I, I always hate this comparison. It's not high scoring enough. How many how many touchdowns are scored in the game of football on a given Sunday, Pat? Do you know? Um, like like like, are we talking like per game? Total? Per game, the uh, average is under four. I was gonna say it's 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 gonna be four or less. Mm-hmm. So take away field goals; they don't exist. Right. How many touchdowns every Sunday right. scored four, between four two or teams? less? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The average Premier League is about three and a half goals a game. 
Is there any actual difference? No. No, not really. Not when it comes to how you score points. If, if they would just say your goals were seven points, maybe that would make a difference. But anyway, I digress. <clears throat> but uh, dismissing concerns about fairness while emphasizing that people, quote, need to understand that sports is not the most important thing in life. I don't disagree with her, but sports has a lot to do. Also hilarious for a person who has used sports for every other aspect of her life, right? Right. It, the, the irony here is um, rich. Yeah. It's Nutella rich. <clears throat> Megan Rapino also argued that high-level sports are all about regulation, which the athlete apparently believes can erase trans athletes' advantages. A recent study published by the British Journal of Sports Medicine suggests that's not it true. I would also encourage everyone out there who is afraid somebody's going to have an unfair advantage over their kid to really take a step back and think what we are actually talking about here. The 36-year-old said, we're talking about people's lives. I'm sorry, your kid's high school volleyball team just isn't that important. Again, says the woman who has this platform because of sports. Um, Nobody would give two shits about Megan Rapino if it weren't for, well, look at us. We're the greatest athletes in the world. We got beat 5 nothing by a bunch of 15-year-old boys. Oh, by the way, they're not 15. They're probably 14 and 13. Um, she also goes on to say, show me evidence that trans women are taking everyone's scholarships, are dominating in every sport, are winning every title. I'm sorry. It's just not happening. Um, I've got one. <coughs> William Thomas. Yeah. Um, that division two track athlete who yep. literally lapped the field. Cause uh dude be a lady. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or lady be a dude. Yeah. I was going to say lady. It was lady um, be a dude. How so. about the power lifters out there? This is yep. literally gaslighting. This is just pure unadulterated gaslighting but which by the way pat brings me to another point of gaslighting because she's not the only one who thinks this not at all okay. you ready for this from our uh, fine friends down under oh boy uh, now i'm scared do you accept the afl's argument that you do have a size advantage over some of your opponents i think the biggest issue is not necessarily that i'm too big or too strong now it's more, okay, you're already big, you're already strong, whatever. But what if you were to get into that elite training environment and they were to build you up, put on an extra 15 kilos and you just push everyone aside. But physiologically, that's just not going to happen. The people who seem to have the biggest problem with this is male administrators, but the female competitors haven't raised their voices at all. Lisa Watson knows better than most what Hannah's going through. She's a doctor who specialises in transgender health issues and is also a transgender athlete. Oh! What? What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Somebody doesn't have an agenda there at all, do they? No, no. She wouldn't. She wouldn't possibly lie or manipulate or give disinformation to um, advantage herself who already has an advantage. I was going to say, you mean he? Because it, it would be a he uh, in this case, oh, right? Yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Yes. Both yeah. of them. Both of them, yeah. Yeah, sure, you don't have a physiological. By the way, that individual that they um, interviewed, 
when they're talking about the AFL, that's the Australian Football League, Aussie Rules Football. I love Aussie Rules Football. It's fantastic to watch. Absolutely brilliant to watch. Um, the physicality, the the competitiveness, the the movement, it, it, it's fantastic. Once you know the rules, it's really simple. But anywho, um, did you know that she broke a competitor's leg? And I mean, uh, by she, I mean he broke a female competitor's leg. No. no. N- not in a freak accident, by the way. Just literally tackling her. He tackled her so hard that her leg broke. But sure, no, no physiological advantage. Because, you know, that happens all the time. Oh, oh wait, no, it doesn't. There, this wasn't some freak accident. It was a normal tackle. It wasn't extra hard. But the physiological difference between him tackling her and him tackling another man never would have broken that person's leg without some sort of other freak thing happening. It wasn't like her leg was planted on the ground and she landed awkwardly. No, literally just broke her leg. Yep, no, no, no difference, none. By the way, FINA, the uh, Swimming Federation, Pat, Mm -hmm. transgender females are no longer going to be allowed to compete. So bye-bye, Will Thomas. There goes your Yay. Olympic uh, dreams. Unless you want to compete with the men uh, of which you are one. Um, right. Physiologically, biologically. By the way, um, because like like he's made the comment before that he just wants to swim. Mm-hmm. And, and if that's the case, dude, um, go swim with the dudes. Now, could they create an open category for people that want to swim with whomever? Go right. for it. Go, go for it. it. Go for it. Cool. I got no that. problem with it. But don't, yep. again, don't pee on my leg and tell me that you're a lady. Just saying. Now, yep. um, also, Pat, why, pray tell, do you think no females have been speaking out about this in Australia? Because I can point to you dozens, if not hundreds, of female athletes here in the United States that uh, say, hey, Megan Rampino, shove your bullshit up your ass. Basically, basically, Megan Rapino, by the way, also mm. saying, hey, guess what? I got my millions of dollars playing this sport, but F you if you want to have that playing field for yourself and F you and your kids mm-hmm. and their dreams. Uh, well, you see, it's probably going to be something along the lines of uh, they don't exactly have freedom of speech in Australia. Mm. And, and what other possible thing could they be wondering about um what recent thing happened in australia that would um i don't know make them think twice about speaking their truth oh it is um this politician that sued google Mm -hmm. because a youtube creator um decided to basically get all over his ass and call out his BS at every single stop along the way. That was targeted harassment and violence, Pat. In an Australian court, because they don't have Section 230 over there or rules anywhere near that, ruled that Google and the content creator are liable for that. Uh, That's right, defamation. So just, just for kicks and giggles, 
Are you saying that uh, because of what we're talking about right now and because of the commentary that we are using right now in regards to transgender athletes in Australia that you and I could be uh, sued and or potentially face jail time in, in the country of Australia? I'm not saying that because we don't uh-huh. live there, right? We're not subject to their laws. I'm saying if we if we were Yes, there. if we lived in Australia and we were talking like this right now, yeah. oh, hell yes, we could be sued. Oh, hell yes, we could be facing jail time. So when you talk about Section 230 and the repealment of it, I want you to think twice about that because what are they – there's just repeal, not just replace. It's not just about protecting the, the company. It's about protecting you and your freedom of speech. The second they start stripping that away, this is what happens when you go down that slope. Australia is your example on almost everything, by the way. Do the opposite of Australia. Yeah, sure. Nobody's speaking out against it because it is not just hard. Most people say, you know what? I'm not worth, it's not worth going to jail. Or more importantly, giving up hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's the deterrent. Maybe, maybe the other aspect of this is more of you need to challenge it. More of you need to stand up and say, F you and your fines and jail time. F you. By the way, anything else uh, quickly for WTF Wednesday? Uh, well, I can't think um, of anything more WTF than literally a professional athlete telling people to, uh, to not care about their child's athletics. Well, yeah, I've, I've, I've got a couple about our uh, marionette in chief. Um, and that is the uh, Biden mocks oil company for proposing solutions to bring down gas prices as Americans' families suffer. So uh, that's that's ingenious. Let's uh, let's let's mock people that uh, are actually trying to solve a problem rather than, uh, you know, helping them solve the problem. That, that that's really genius. Oh, and by the way, did you by chance happen to see the uh, marionette in chief um, said that we are uh, we we need we need more money because we're going to be facing a, a second pandemic. Um, <clears throat> he's not wrong, Pat. He's not wrong. Well, I mean, eventually. So this is something that I've talked about for a very long time. Mm. The reason we had the issues we had early on in COVID-19, right? Right. Were simply because we refused as a society to spend the money on being prepared. True. Okay. If we had been prepared, the hospitals wouldn't have been overwhelmed. And this is coming from the perspective of somebody whose mother was an employee health nurse, okay, for an entire hospital system. Mm. Okay. Meaning she headed up the OSHA regulations and the preparedness of the hospital and making sure that employees were handled correctly and fitted for the N95 masks, right? And all that wonderful goodness. Right. She started talking about this in 2007, 2008, right? With the swine flu and H1N1 and after all that. that Mm -hmm. Okay. She started talking about the fact that uh, the hospitals can't spend the money because they need the money to be spent in other revenue producing areas. They chose revenue over the preparedness. It turns out that um, maybe if you were prepared, you would have saved some revenue. 
<laughs> right? Um, because they had to basically shut these hospitals down because they weren't prepared. We had to buy masks from other places and months and months and months of issues, right? Mm. The ill preparedness of our society was part of the problem here. And George W. Bush is famous for talking about this when he read a book uh, about um, our society not being prepared. And also the fact that we continue to put these things out there into the world for scientific research purposes, right? And and we have no idea what is going to come back or not come back to us. I mean, mean, that's a fair point. So my, my point in this is that, is he wrong? No, we do need to be prepared. We do need to have a national conversation on how we handle this. We do need to make sure hospitals are fully stocked. And yes, it might sit there for a long time. What things have shelf life and what don't? Could we have the preparedness of the masks? Could we have the preparedness of certain other equipment, right? The ventilators and all of those sorts of things, right? They have shelf lives, correct? They're one and done uses, right? Right. Okay, but what if we had 20 of them ready, on the ready? What if every one of the hospitals had an extra supply of ventilators waiting to be used? What if? What if... Right. We didn't. Now, ventilators have proven not to be very effective in COVID-19 treatment. In fact, if you're on a ventilator and you get off of it, you are a lucky son of a bitch, right? Mm-hmm. But he's not wrong. Nope. So there's your critical thinking, by the way. Not everything the president of the United States says is wrong, and not everything he says is right. When it's Donald Trump... George W. Bush, Barack Obama, or Marionette Joseph Biden is not wrong. Now, does that mean that we have to spend a ass ton of money? No. It just means no. it just means that uh, the private institutions in this country need to be prepared. Your private institution is, where, needs to be prepared. My thing is, where does the money come from, first of all? And does that money come from government? It shouldn't. That's my point, right? Right. Your responsibility as a private business is to be prepared. That's not my job and my taxpayer dollars job to help you get prepared. That's not. That's the ultimate, you know, situation here. If you fail to be prepared, it ain't my fault. You had all the warning signs. We've done this not once, but twice in the last 20 years. And it's likely in the next 10 years that we're going to have another one. Because we keep messing around. Right. Now, with that being said, Pat, your final thoughts on today's show. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And don't listen to Megan Rapinoe. Do not forget it is time for Reviving Liberty. Please be smart, be safe, be kind. As always, Matthew 547. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 